bribed by some people in this church. They told me they would give me $100 if I would come up here in my pajamas with feet, you know. Yeah, well, I said, if you could get 10 other people, maybe we could talk, you know. Well, this morning, I'm uh, kind of excited to be changing gears a little bit, stepping aside from uh, the, our study in the book of Acts and uh, talking about life-giving living from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And uh, we haven't uh, really formally studied Proverbs, I don't think, uh, for quite a few years. But uh, this Old Testament book of Proverbs is a great place where God uh, reveals some principles for everyday living. Just kind of uh, principles that uh, translate into wisdom, what we call wisdom. Uh, written hundreds of years, probably 900 years before Jesus came into the world. So this is like lasting principles. This is kind of the way God set up the world to work. It's the way God made for people to actually live. And so uh, I'm kind of excited to be able to uh, take a look at Proverbs. There's, uh, Solomon has over 500 of these Proverbs are attributed to Solomon. And we read from uh, 1 Kings how Solomon got to be so wise when God came to him and said, you know, ask for whatever you want. And in the very next chapter, uh, back there in 1 Kings chapter 4, it says that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than the wisdom of all of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered a thousand and five. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who heard about his wisdom. And then, you know, uh, 900 years or so later when Jesus comes, uh, Jesus refers back to Solomon. Jesus comes and, you know, people don't listen to him. Jesus comes and he begins to uh, share the good news of the gospel and what God's going to do. And as you know, people didn't listen to him. And so at one point in Matthew chapter 12, he says, you know, the queen of the south, the queen of the south, you know, came up from Africa to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And he said, you know, the queen of the south is going to rise at the judgment with this generation from the ends of the earth. She came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now somebody greater than Solomon is here. And the people wouldn't listen. So Jesus compares himself to Solomon and uh, says that this generation is going to be in deep weeds because somebody greater even than Solomon. And when Solomon was here, so many people, you know, came to listen. Now, now Proverbs is like God's advice in concentrated form. It's like, uh, you know, one of these Proverbs, just one saying is powerful enough to change a person's whole life. Uh, there are statements in the book of Proverbs that, you know, when you get a hold of them and they get a hold of you, your whole life is set on a different track because of the purity of the wisdom and uh, the realization of, wow, this is really, you know, uh, my issue. And I want to say that uh, the Proverbs deal primarily with the practical side of life, with everyday living. Uh, th th there's not a whole lot of theology. The, all of the Proverbs are based on solid theology, but, you know, you don't need a seminary degree to walk away from Proverbs with a direct word from God that you can understand 100%. Uh, Proverbs are written for anybody who's wise enough to listen. 
And, and it's really a kind of a different sort of a book. And, and the Proverbs just describe, look, this is the way life is. You can fight against it. You know, you can resist it. You can ignore it. But the truth is, this is how life happens. This is the way things go, fall out socially. This is what will happen to you financially. Uh, this is, this is kind of the reality of the way life is morally. You do this, this is going to happen. You do that, that's going to happen. And it's kind of a general description of really how, the, how life works uh, from God's perspective. And it's, you know, some 3,000 years old now. And so don't think of Proverbs as like a rigid, you know, uh, kind of list of rules. Almost everybody can think of an exception to what the Proverbs have to say. Like Proverbs has a lot to say about people who are lazy, you know? And uh, as soon as you think about, you know, Proverbs says, look, if you're going to be lazy, you're going to have problems in your life. And then somebody's going to come and say, well, you know, I have a friend, and he's very lazy, but, you know, he won the lottery. And everybody's going to think, you know. And, and so if you, if you live your life and say, well, I'm going to be like my friend. Maybe someday I'll win the lottery. I'm just going to be lazy and wait. It's probably not going to work. There are exceptions because the Proverbs are kind of like, in general, this is the way life is. And uh, not that there aren't exceptions and so forth, but in general, this is the way life works. In general, hardworking people are rewarded, and lazy people have a lot more problems. Isn't that generally true? You just know that's, that's right. That's the way it is. Wise, godly, moral people do better than foolish, evil, immoral people in general. And then the Proverbs, kind of like the Psalms, uh, is written, they're written in typical Hebrew style, uh, usually where there's pairs of statements. Like a first statement will be made that states a truth, and then there'll be a second statement that will accent that truth. And uh, there are two kinds of statements. Uh, first of all, there are what's called synonymous proverbs, where a statement is made and then something very similar to it is said. And then there's um, a different kind of proverb called a contrasting proverb, uh, where something is said, and then the opposite is said in the next sentence. If you have your Bible open to Proverbs uh, chapter 9, for example, here's a kind of an example of, of those two different kinds of Proverbs. And in Proverbs 9, 9, uh, here's a synonymous kind of a proverb. It says, you know, if you instruct a wise man, he'll get wiser still. Okay. And knowledge, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and teach a righteous man, and he'll add to his learning. Those two things are saying the same thing. But if you just back up to verse 8, here's a contrasting proverb. It says, look, don't rebuke a mocker. You know, if you rebuke a mocker, don't rebuke a mocker, he'll hate you. The opposite is, if you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. Okay. And so there's two different kinds of Proverbs, one's synonymous and one's contrasting. And, uh, you know, sometimes the statements in Proverbs, uh, they really make you laugh. I mean, there's some kind of funny sayings here that kind of stick with you. Proverbs 27, for example, uh, verses 14 and 15 says this, If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Everybody gets that, right? You don't need a seminary degree to understand that. When my daughter was really young, she went to visit her uncle in college. And uh, uh, they were there on a Friday night. I wasn't there, but I've been told this. And on Saturday morning, she wakes up early while she's looking for her Uncle Chuck. And she's going up and down the rooms in the dorm early in the morning, banging on the doors. Oh, 
Uncle Chuck, you know? And I always think about that, you know? And uh, everybody hated her and hated Uncle Chuck after that. Uh, who is Uncle Chuck? And why can't you shut this kid up, you know? Well, look at verse 15. Uh, a quarrelsome wife. If you've got a wife and everything you say, she argues with you. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> in uh, chapter 25 of Proverbs, and I'm just trying to whet your appetite here a little bit, and in Proverbs chapter 25, uh, verse 17, seldom set your foot in your neighbor's house too much of you, and he'll hate you. You know, just don't always be there, okay? Uh, how about this one? Um, in Proverbs chapter 6, Verse 27, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Pretty simple question, right? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? He who sleeps with another man's wife, okay, so is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Wisdom. Just the way life is. And uh, all through Proverbs, we're going to have some very interesting, and it's very easy to understand the meaning. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse 22, says this. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout, okay, is a beautiful woman who doesn't have discretion. Everybody understands what that means, right? You don't need a seminary degree to understand Proverbs. And uh, the thing about Proverbs, it's for everybody who's wise enough to listen. In fact, uh, the Proverbs, as you read through it, will kind of tell you that really the difference between wise and foolish people is that wise people listen to what God has to say. Foolish people simply won't listen. They're just going to do their own thing. And, uh, you know, you just need to listen. So Proverbs part of the wisdom literature. It's not necessarily historical. It's not prose, it doesn't tell a story, it's not a collection of sayings, it's not historical, it's a collection of sayings, okay, that are revealed by God. And I want to say the central theme of Proverbs, Proverbs all over the lot, but if you were to pick a central theme that kind of runs through the whole of Proverbs, it'd be very simple, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Whatever it is you're after in life, wisdom is better. Get wisdom. And, and uh, the first part of Proverbs, the first nine chapters really are like an introduction. And uh, it's cast in kind of a setting where a father is talking to his son or sons. And uh, he's trying to explain to them these truths, this wisdom, and, uh, and then explaining how they apply to life. Wisdom is gaining truth or knowledge and applying it to life. And it's that application to life. You know, uh, as we read from James, as Margie read in James chapter 1, God says, look, if you lack wisdom, ask me. I want to give it to you. I love you. I'm for you. I know how life works. If you want wisdom, just ask. And one of the places where God gives it to us uh, plentifully is in the book of Proverbs. And so if you turn to chapter 1 of Proverbs, in the first couple of verses, I think we have... Uh, you know, kind of uh, definitions, if you will, of what wisdom really is. 
And what happens when you become a wiser and wiser person? Uh, it says here in chapter 1 that uh, these Proverbs, verse 2, are for the attaining of wisdom. Uh, truth and the ability to apply it to your life. Now, what is wisdom? Well, there's, all, there's like seven different words here that all describe what wisdom is. Uh, the attaining of wisdom and discipline and understanding and insight uh, and, and prudence, acquiring a prudent life and doing what is right and what is just and what is fair, uh, forgiving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. There's a, what, what is wisdom? And there, well, it's discernment, it's prudence, it's uh, being able to make decisions between what's right and wrong, what's wise and, and uh, what's uh, right and wrong, what's good and bad, and so on and so forth. And uh, remember also, you know, in the New Testament, God says, listen, pretty much your life is the result of what you sow is what you'll reap. Pretty much your life is the choices you make today will decide what happens to you tomorrow. Pretty much life works out that what you sow in life, the decisions you make today, will pretty much determine what your life is going to be like tomorrow. And uh, that's part of this wisdom. And so it's so important to be able to know how to make wise decisions and God's wisdom, if you want it, is here and is very digestible, easy to understand, accessible to anyone. Uh, I've, I think you can always walk away. I would say that Proverbs is, if you please understand the meaning of this word, it's kind of one of the most secular books in the Bible uh, because it's dealing with everyday practical things, not deep theological you know, insights. However, uh, you will notice in the next verse, in chapter 1 and verse 7, that all wisdom, all wisdom starts with the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing anything about anything. You cannot have wisdom without God. It comes from God. Uh, that's where wisdom comes from. So it's really important. That verse, uh, verse 7, is kind of repeated throughout Proverbs. We'll see it. It keeps popping up. Like, you, you can't gain wisdom on your own. You can't say, you know, I think I'll just watch Oprah and gain wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. God is the source of wisdom. God is the one who created us and, and so forth. Uh, there are two parts of us that receive wisdom. In chapter 2, uh, you'll notice in the first couple of verses, he says, my son, if you'll accept my words and store up my commands within you, uh, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Your ears and your heart are the receptors of God's wisdom. Uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And your heart is where you store up or where you choose to believe what you're hearing. Right? Our beliefs come from the core in our spirits, in our hearts. And our beliefs arise there. And so... The two parts of us that embrace or receive wisdom are both our ears and uh, our hearts. And several times, uh, uh, this point about all wisdom coming from God is, uh, you know, revealed through the Scriptures. And I think part of the point here is that nobody is born with wisdom. Anybody have a baby born with wisdom ever? 
come into the world with wisdom. Wisdom is something that has to be acquired. Wisdom is something you have to go after. You have to want it. And uh, you have to acquire it because we all start out without wisdom. I think it's safe to say that while it's true that nobody is born with wisdom, uh, I think our culture in which we live is increasingly lacking in wisdom. We have an explosion of knowledge, but we have kind of a lacking of wisdom. We know so much, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like we know how to apply what we know to our lives. And uh, maybe wisdom is even being intentionally ignored because we're ignoring God. And real wisdom comes from God. And so the further we move away from Him, the less wisdom we have to be able to deal with our lives. Um, and I think, you know, the lack of wisdom is the root of so many of our problems. Uh, a couple years ago in uh, Kansas... Uh, the state legislature asked a pastor to come and pray before their session. And uh, here's, here's his prayer. Here's what he prayed. He said, Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and your guidance. Wisdom. We know your word says, woe to those who call evil good. But that's exactly what we've done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and inverted our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word in the name of moral pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and we call it an alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and we call it a lottery. We have neglected the needy, and we call it self-preservation. We've rewarded laziness and call it welfare. In the name of choice, we've killed our unborn. In the name of right to life, we've killed abortionists. We have neglected to discipline our children and call it building self-esteem. We've abused power and called it political savvy. We've um, coveted our neighbor's possessions and call it taxes. We've polluted the air with profanity and pornography and call it freedom of expression. We've ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and uh, we call it enlightenment. Search us, O God. Know our hearts. Try us and show us the wicked ways that are in us. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide us. And bless these men and women who have been sent here by the people of Kansas and who have been ordained by you, God, to govern this state. Grant them your wisdom to rule. And may their decisions direct us to the center of your will. I ask in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The second he said amen, three, three legislators jumped up and said, you can't talk like that. Right in the session and began to lambast that prayer. And, uh, you know, we're very offended by that prayer. But the truth of the matter is, we keep moving away from God's wisdom. And we think that our own ideas, you know, are more significant and will get us where we want to go. So, again, I would say to you that at the root of a lot of the problems that we all are talking about these days, wondering what's going to happen in our future, is the lack 
of wisdom. And uh, some of it, you know, is pretty simple, but it's also pretty convicting. And, and so the first nine chapters serve as kind of an introduction, and the theme is, look, get wisdom no matter what, no matter what it costs, no matter how expensive it is, get wisdom. Uh, in chapter 4, for example, let me just read uh, some of this. Here's this father talking to his son, and here's the value that is placed on wisdom. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender, and an only child of my mother, he taught me, and he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. You got to grab the truth with your heart, okay? Keep my commandments and you'll live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Go back to chapter 3 and verse 13. Blessed in life, okay, is the man who finds wisdom. Blessed, another way of talking about blessed is just, you know, happy, contented, satisfied. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than the stock market. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Nothing that you desire. Now ask yourself, you know, just kind of look at your own life and Let's just look at this past week and say to yourself, what did I desire this week? What was it that I was going after? What was it that I was investing my life in, giving my life to? And was wisdom at the top of that? Was wisdom even in the mix of it? Is it important? Do I believe that what God is telling me here is true? That I'll be able to sleep better at night? That I'll be able to have a better future both here and in eternity if I go after God's wisdom? wisdom, no matter what it costs. You know why? Because life's about decisions. And, and decisions are not always easy. You know, where is the line between being industrious and becoming a workaholic? Where's that line? How do you make that decision? Now, what is the difference between being lazy and being relaxed? How do you find that balance? Now, how do you make those kinds of decisions? Uh, how do you know when it's time to encourage and when it's time to discipline? How do you know when it's time to come alongside somebody and try to help them and encourage them? Or maybe it's time to say, you know what, you're on your own. How do you know when to do that? Uh, how do you know when you should save money or spend money? How do you know? How do you make those kinds of choices and decisions? Well, you need wisdom. And I want to say to you, whether you're the parent or the child, you need wisdom. Isn't that right? Whether you're the teacher or the student, you need wisdom. Whether you're the husband or the wife, you need wisdom. Isn't that true? It really is no matter who you are, no matter who you are in relationship to other people, 
You need wisdom. Whether you're the employee or the employer, you need wisdom. Wouldn't you say? And so no matter who you are, whether you're the mom or the dad, you need wisdom, God's wisdom. And so the message of Proverbs is that people, you know, who arrange their lives around the goal of gaining wisdom will be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. And so if you've been arranging your life around something else, if you've been arranging your life around some other goal, like, you know, maybe uh, gathering as much money as we can or having as much experience of pleasure as we can while we live, uh, getting wisdom is a better goal. Gaining wisdom is better. If you think life's about career or about achievement or about image, wisdom is better. Now, if wisdom is the theme of Proverbs and is cherished and highly valued by God, the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. Foolishness, or uh, what Proverbs calls folly. If you go back to chapter 9, at the end of the introduction to Proverbs in chapter 9, there's two invitations that are constantly being offered to everybody in the world. One comes from wisdom and one comes from foolishness. And these two invitations, like an invitation to a banquet, uh, both wisdom and foolishness call out to people. So you are always having to make a choice in every area of our lives. We're always making a choice between wisdom and foolishness, right? And uh, if you look in uh, the first uh, few verses, the first four verses of uh, chapter 9, this is wisdom calling out. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. Seven is the number of perfection. Uh, she has prepared her meat, mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point in the city, let all who are simple come here. She says to those who lack judgment, come, eat my food, drink the wine that I have mixed for you. Now, if you go to the end of chapter 9, verse 13, look at this. The woman folly is loud. Okay? She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. There's always a choice between wisdom and foolishness. Both are constantly calling out. Notice, if you will, that verse 4 and verse 16 are exactly the same. Verse 4 says, let all who are simple come here. All right, verse 16 says, let all who are simple come here. Those who lack judgment, come here. Both wisdom and foolishness are constantly calling to us to come their way. And I'm sure you can think of examples in different uh, areas of your life where this is absolutely true. And so we are always having to make the choice. Uh, not only that, wisdom and foolishness are after the same audience, you and me. Okay, notice uh, both of them call out from the highest place. Because you know why? All of our life falls out from whatever is at the highest place in our life. Uh, whatever is first in our life. And uh, everything in your life will fall out from whether you choose uh, to listen to foolishness or to wisdom. And uh, you notice that uh, folly calls out, verse 15, calls out to those who pass by, to those who go straight on their way. 
if you're a wise person and you're living your life for God, uh, don't think that foolishness isn't going to try to lure you in. But it, it's not successful because you walk straight by. You just keep going on the direction that you... But foolishness keeps trying. Uh, there are temptations that keep coming. And the temptation is always there. Verse 17, stolen water is sweet. Uh, food eaten in secret is delicious. By the way, foolishness always kind of calls in secret and in darkness and in deception. Uh, wisdom calls out in the light. Wisdom calls out. Wisdom has nothing to hide. So if you find yourself, you know, having to make a choice and you feel like, you know, well, if I make this choice, I have to keep it secret. That's kind of a good indicator that this might be pretty foolish. You're thinking about doing something, you're making a choice, you say, oh, you know, I can never let my spouse know about this. Well, it's probably foolish, right? Uh, and, and so, again, that comes, these two invitations, and you can relate to this, I think. You know, we do something foolish, something that we know is wrong, we do it in secret, we do it privately, and uh, we, we figure, well, nobody will ever know kind of thing. But again, we ignore this. Look at verse 10. Here, here it comes again. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You forget that even though you might fool some people, God is watching everything. God knows every thought that passes through our minds. Look, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, you can't ignore the fact that if you're living your life for God, God is aware of everything that goes on. And I think it's important for us to, again, recognize real wisdom comes from God. Now, if you go back to chapter 1 again, so there's wisdom and foolishness. And in chapter 1, I want to suggest to you that uh, Solomon sort of points out here there's actually three levels of foolishness that can, be, uh, that can mark people's lives. Uh, three different levels, it seems to me. He asks, like, three questions here. Uh, in, in chapter 1 and verse 22, uh, he, first thing he says is, you know, how long? How long do you want to be simple? How, how long do you want to be foolish? How long do you want to stay unwise? How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? That's the first question. How long do you want to be naive? How long do you want to be ignorant? You know, how long do you want to be unexperienced? Uh, how long do you want to stay simple or foolish? How long do you want to ignore God's wisdom and just follow the crowd? How long do you want to live like that? That's the first level of foolishness is people who are just unwilling to deal with God's wisdom for whatever reason. Um, how long, he asks. That's the, that's the first question. The next question, I think, kind of escalates to a, a second level kind of fool. Uh, it says this. Um, how long will mockers delight in mockery? The second kind of level fool starts to mock other people who are pursuing wisdom. The second level fool isn't just unaware of how foolish he is. He's recognizing there's a difference, there's choices, there are different ways to live, and now he's going to mock the person who's trying to honor God. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's at a new level. That's a different kind of fool, a mocker, a scorner, makes fun of other people who are, especially those pursuing uh, wisdom. And, you know, this takes a little bit more willfulness. This takes a realization that wisdom actually exists. You remember Psalm 1, blessed is the person who doesn't sit in the seat of mockers. 
You know why? Because the person you're mocking is God's person. The person that you mock is the person created by God. And uh, that, that just ex you're exposing kind of how much of a fool you actually are. And then there's a third level uh, fool, and it's the, the next kind of question there. How long are you going to hate knowledge? How long are you going to actively resist and rebel against God's wisdom? And, and this is kind of a, a third level, you know, to actually, you know, uh, hate and be arrogant and disrespectful of God's wisdom. It's being totally deceived. And uh, I'm sure you know some people like this, you know. This is a difficult person to deal with. Do you know people like this? Uh, Proverbs 26, I think, talks about, you know, uh, some of this. In Proverbs 26, in verse 4, it says, Look, don't answer a fool according to his folly. You ever do this? You ever get engaged by somebody who's arrogant against God's ways, and you kind of engage them? And look what the proverb says. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll become like him. You ever find yourself in that situation? You ever, like, try to help somebody and, and, and address their issue, and the next thing you know, you're acting just like them. You're saying things that are coming out of your mouth that you're saying, ah, how did that happen? Well, but look at this, verse 5, kind of a, a contrasting uh, proverb, if you will. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. You have to say something. You're in the world to be light in the midst of the darkness. You need to kind of raise the issue. But wow, how you do it, you need to be wise. You can't be drawn into it and become like them. Right? And doesn't that happen sometimes? You ever get in an argument with your spouse? And all of a sudden, you're a different person than you want to be. How'd that happen? And yet you have to address the issues. But there's a way to be wise about it. And uh, there's a way to be foolish about it. Uh, you know, we have to... Uh, again, have wisdom. Again, in uh, chapter 9, verse 7 and 8, uh, speaks about this again. Uh, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Okay? Maybe you've had that experience. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Don't rebuke a mocker, he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you. Wisdom. How do you interact with people? How do you go about being a, a witness in the midst of a world where wisdom is lacking? Uh, well, you know, there's ways to do it. And again, in, in, nine verse, in chapter 9, verse 10, look, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, asking God to help us and to be our source and so forth. So all that to say, Proverbs has no mercy for foolish people. And listen, we all start out foolish. Proverbs 22, 15, I used to quote it to myself all the time as our kids were growing up. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Right? Foolishness, we all start there. Uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We all come into the world with the capability of being uh, foolish. And if you think about children, right, pretty much they act on impulse. Pretty much they want immediate gratification. Pretty much the idea of living for heaven is kind of hard. Because I want what I want now. I mean, it's typical childness, right? Uh, acting on impulse, immediate gratification. And, and kids have to learn. You don't grab hot food. You know, you'll pay a price. No, you can't drive the car. You know, you can't steer the wheel, right? Hey, you've got to walk before you can run. 
you got to learn some things about life. This is the way life operates, you know? Uh, and another problem is that, you know, once you start on the uh, downward spiral of foolishness, it just keeps going. And uh, we're running out of time, but there are many passages I had uh, laid out here. Let me just do maybe two of them. In uh, chapter 5 of Proverbs, verse 21, uh, for a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. Okay? That's why wisdom starts there. He examines all of our paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own folly. There's consequences, right? In chapter 12, uh, verses 15 and 16, uh, again, uh, Proverbs uh, says, look, the way of a fool seems right to him. You ever try to convince somebody who's foolish that they're wrong? I mean, their way seems right to them. The way of a fool seems right to him. But a wise man listens to advice. A wise man says, what do you see in me that I don't see? The fool says, no, I already got it wired. There's nothing you can contribute to my life. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. You ever been insulted? What do you do with it? If you're foolish, well, you just give it right back because you don't have to deal with that. You got your rights, yada, yada. No, there's a way to deal with that with wisdom. And there's a whole bunch of these in uh, chapter 26 and verse 11. Foolishness is habit forming. It says like a dog returns to its vomit. A foolish man just keeps multiplying its folly and so on. But I just want to say this morning, you know, no matter how far down the path of foolishness uh, we may have traveled, there's hope because God's wisdom is always available. And uh, it always starts with God. God is there. He's personal. He's powerful. He knows you. He loves you. He knows exactly what you need, and he wants to give it to you. And through Jesus Christ, God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's wisdom and God's favor are all available to us. Don't ever think that, um, you know, your foolish bad choices or your poor financial management or your sexual indiscretions or your violent mouth or your wasted opportunities or your rebellious ignorance, don't ever think that your way to God is blocked because of the foolishness that's marked your life. Don't ever think that. And don't ever think that all you need is a little more self-improvement. Don't ever think that you can just go to Dr. Phil and Oprah and, and, you know, solve these issues of wisdom. The fear of God is the basis of all true wisdom and all truth. Uh, wisdom comes from God. Uh, and the first thing God says we all need is a Savior, a Savior from our foolishness. And there's only one mediator, only one Savior, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. One last comment here as kind of an introduction to this series on Proverbs. In uh, Proverbs chapter 2, and I'd just like to close with this, the first five verses, uh, you'll notice that uh, it's an if-then kind of proposition. If you'll do this, then this. And, and uh, let me just read these couple of verses. Uh, my son, if you accept my words, that's the first thing. You've got to accept that God is a speaking God. He's not silent. He's written the book. He speaks to us. You've got to accept his word. He says, if you'll accept my words, if, and if you store up my commands, if you put them in your heart, in other words, if you believe them, if you store them up and put them inside of you, don't just hear them with your ears and your head. Remember, the way you receive wisdom is with your ears and your heart. 
So if you'll take these words of mine and store them within, he says, and if you'll turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. You know, it's, it's like if you, if you desire wisdom, if that's what you really want. I don't know, it's like, you know, tuning your ear to a concert. You ever go to a concert and, you know, some people are listening and some people aren't. They're just bored, right? I remember the story of this woman who was so excited. She finally got her husband to go to a concert, and he looked like he was really enjoying himself during it and so forth. And then she found out he had this earpiece, and he had the thing in his pocket, and he was listening to the ball game and kind of thing because he wasn't tuned into it. And that's what I think uh, Solomon is saying. Listen, you've got you to be into this. It's kind of like sometimes I take my wife to go to a car show, and I'm like looking at every little detail in every car. Like, whoa, do you see this? Do you see that? And I can tell she's only there for, for me. She doesn't really care. Well, you can't be like that with wisdom. You've got to say, I want to know. I want to know the nuances. I want to know that you'll never exhaust the wisdom of God. But you've got to be passionate about it. He says, if you'll tune your ear to wisdom and apply your heart, give it to your heart. We would say, you know, put this in your heart. If you go after it with all your heart. And look what he says. And if you call out for insight, if you pray, if you ask God, if you call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it like you look for silver, if you desired wisdom like you desire money, you know, and if you search for it like hidden treasure, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. It's a promise. That's the way wisdom comes to us. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Father, I'm so thankful that the book of Proverbs is here recorded for us. It always amazes me to think that, you know, uh, words that you revealed 3,000 years ago are more relevant today probably than when they were first revealed. Especially in Proverbs, Father, where uh, these things are so uh, instructive for the life that we're living today and the problems that we have. And so I pray for your blessing on this series. I pray that as we unpack some of these Proverbs, that you will come amongst us, Father, and make us wise. Make us wiser than we are. May we be a congregation of people who uh, have wisdom but desire more. And may we just invite you and give you the freedom to come amongst us and by your Spirit just grab a hold of our hearts and fill them, Father, with the uh, essence of your wisdom so that we can be your people in ways that we haven't thus far. So... Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.